to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. As I mentioned the name S. Truett Cathy, does that mean anything to anybody? If you're familiar with S. Truett Cathy. If I mention cows that say eat more chicken, does that mean anything to anybody? All right. Okay. Um, Chick-fil-A is a fast food um, chicken sandwich restaurant that is advertised, a unique advertising with the cows that parachute into football fields and, and have painted on their side, eat more chicken or any number of things like that. So um, their founder is S. Truett Cathy. In um, 1967, he started a little chicken sandwich shop, and um, he believes, he said, although the the Lord has never spoken to me, he said, I believe the chicken sandwich business was a gift from God. Um, he is now 92 years old, and um, his family is actively involved in running it. He still is, but um, he says the purpose of Chick-fil-A is to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that is entrusted to us and to have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. He has really built his um, Christian principles in the business. He has mandated that at every one of his franchises that they are to be closed every Sunday uh, to allow his staff time for He said it sends two messages to the staff that they value their employees' spirituality and it places a high level of importance on its employees. Over the course of the year, being closed on Sunday has cost his business about $500 million in lost income. But um, he has clearly shown that his number one cause is not so much about the bottom line, being the dollar-wise, but about honoring God. And there are many ways they've um, invested much in foster kids and orphanages and And yet I think one of the interesting things about his life is that for over 50 years he has been teaching a Sunday school class of junior high boys and investing in their lives and 
and touching their lives. Here, this man who is, is a billionaire now, still faithfully comes down and teaches junior high boys in Sunday school. Maybe he's sentenced there, as was mentioned earlier, you're stuck the rest of your life. But no, many have said how he has impacted them from that class. And, and the aspect of, of his life um, touching others, and he said nearly every moment of every day we have the opportunity to give something to someone else. Our time, our love our resources. He said, I have always found more joy in giving when I did not expect anything in return. And indeed, it's true. Um, he, he gave five principles of generosity. And, and I want to mention those just to begin with, and then then we want to look biblically and see this whole aspect of generosity. But let me say from the very beginning, this is not just about money. And I pray that, that when we're done here today, that as a believer, you will leave with a burden to be a much more generous person. And we want to try to show you ways that that can be done. And if you are here today and you are not a believer, that you will come to see that the most generous act that has ever been done was done with you in mind. Jesus Christ dying on the cross. But he gave five principles of generosity, and they're, they're in this, the acrostic of heart. There's so many applications, but number one, he, referencing God, owns it all. Generosity is realizing all I have belongs to God and using it for his purpose. Uh, Someone else has said, um, driven people spend their time protecting what they think they own. Called people spend their time investing what God has given them to foster relationships. But first, it's He or God owns it all. Second, every day is an opportunity. Every day God gives us, in the gift of a day, it's an opportunity, but it's filled with many opportunities. Thirdly, generosity requires action. Action is required. See, if, if we do not carry out and put feet, to our generosity, whose life is it going to affect? Action is required. Number four, he says, remember your blessings. Remember your blessings. Count your many blessings, name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Number five, thank God. 
A thankful heart tends to be a generous heart. A selfish person always asks, why has this happened to me? That leads to a victim mindset, and victims are never generous. More and more do I see how important it is to give thanks. Romans chapter 1, the, the first initial steps of the downward trend of a society is they became unthankful and glorified not God. And learning to be thankful. Now, we can look at those and say, well, that's true at Kathy, yeah. You know, if I had a billion dollars, I'd give to orphanages and I'd establish this fund and that fund. Have, a, have you ever asked yourself, why do I have what I have? Why do I have what I have? And, and sometimes, and, and I'm not minimizing it, and, and it is a godly trait, we can say, I've worked hard for this. And, and we ought to work hard. There are people that have worked harder than any of us have ever worked, and they have nothing. We don't have what we have Purely because we worked hard. I, I can remember when, when we were in, in the Ukraine and we visited this young couple and he, he, he said he had 20 acres, a vegetable farmer, that he did it all by hand and he was so excited he, he wanted me to come around and see his truck that he had that he was now able to carry his produce to the city. This truck was an antiquated old World War I, maybe. I don't know. It was... There, there isn't a man here today that would say, come, I want to show you my truck, if this was your truck. We, we sat in this very modest home, and, and, and as I visited with him, I thought, man, this guy goes out 20 acres by hand. His equipment is a hoe and a shovel and a rake. And, and you know what? He has more than many people do. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to make you feel bad or us feel bad because we do have much. I'm wanting us to realize it's a gift of God. And it's not just because we've worked for it. There are, there are many, many people who have worked very, very diligently and they still have nothing to show for it. We have been blessed. We have been given much. And we need to realize, as Job realized, the Lord gives and the Lord 
can also take away. But as believers, we need to realize our greatest treasure is not a possession. It's not something you can put your hands on. Our greatest treasure is Jesus Christ. To be able to be here today and to be at peace and to know my sins are forgiven and to know that I am guaranteed a home in heaven because of what Jesus Christ has done and has offered to me as a free gift, you can't put a price on that. Do you understand how few people around the world have that peace today? What did you say? 14.5 million Mormons? They don't have that peace. Let alone the other billions. But understanding and remembering your blessings, that that is the greatest blessing. And then also to remember and ask yourself, why do I have what I have? Why did God entrust this to me? In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus speaking to the disciples as He was ready to send them out on a mission made the statement, freely you have received, freely give. And as believers, you talk about people who have freely received, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. We have freely received, and even the gifts that we have, We have freely been entrusted with these. But why do we have these? We've said over and over again, we are blessed, what? In order to be a blessing. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we're not going to have the time to deal with it extensively, but... Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he says, I know, he he says, it's it's probably not necessary for me to to tell you this, uh, knowing that you have been generous in your giving. But he said, I want to remind you again that if you sow, verse 6, sparingly, you will reap sparingly. But if you sow bountifully, you will reap also bountifully. And he says, every man, verse 7, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. Now notice verse 8. Paul, after urging them to be ready to give to meet the needs of other believers, says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency 
in all things may abound to every good work. Notice what he's remind, he's saying. I'm I'm urging you to be generous, and and I'm reminding you that you are blessed in order to be a blessing, and that God is able to make all grace abound to you. That you always having all sufficiency may abound to many, many, every good work that God has called you to. Every good work that He gives you an opportunity to, to participate in. And He's, He's urging us to have a generous spirit. Generosity is the disposition to give liberally. To bestow favors. A quality of heart opposed to harshness or meanness. There is no greater illustration of generosity than of God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is the epitome of love, of grace, of mercy, of generosity, if you please. Of, of bestowing favor, of, of liberally giving towards. We are here today, and you might say, I, I'm wrestling in my mind. I've got bills laying on my table at home, and how am I going to pay for those? And and this is breaking down. And how am I going to get that fixed? And and here I come today, and you're talking about generosity. And how can I be generous? There are four things that we can give. We can give our time, we can give of our talent, we can give touch, and we can give a treasure. We think of generosity in the realm of finances, and that's a part of treasure. But do you understand all the other areas that we can be generous in? And that God is the one who gives us our time? We don't determine, I'm going to have this week. We may have this coming week, or we may not. But we wake up today and we realize God has given me this day. Now, what am I going to do with this time? And can I be generous with my time? The various talents that God has given. Um, you know, regardless of the talent, it's not anything that we can take credit for because it's God and others that have invested in us. You know, we had, we had 
two young men sitting here playing pianos, other some old men over here playing instruments, and I'm not going to talk about the ladies, all right? I don't think one day either Willie or Ernie just happened to walk by the piano and sat down and, I think I can play this thing. I guarantee you it doesn't work because every once in a while I'll walk by that thing and I'll sit down or at home I'll sit down and it hasn't affected me that way, okay? But there was someone that invested time and money and instruction and they invested. But even that, God gives the opportunities. There are other talents besides musical. There, there are talents that God has given you. And He gives them to you not to elevate yourself. Look at me, I'm better than anybody else. And Well, I could have done that. He gives it so you can be generous and invest in others. Our time, our talents... The aspect of touch and treasure. No matter what your circumstance in life, there are things that you and I can give and everyone can have an impact on others. S. Truett Cathy could have easily said, you know what, I, I, I'm running a million, billion dollar business. I don't have time to prepare a Sunday school lesson for these 10 to 12 junior high boys. But he has a generous spirit, so he's willing to give of his time. Do you know, do you know how much his time is worth? I don't know how much it's worth, but it's worth a lot. But to sit down and invest his time, and it isn't, it isn't like that's a big thing. God has given me this time. This is an opportunity I have. I'm going to do it. So there are at least four things that we can give. But then as I was thinking on this, it's like God reminded me the manner in which I can be generous. And I, I was thinking about this this morning. You know, one of the, one of the unique things that, that goes with, with pastoring is as you're thinking and preparing messages, it's all that times God's convicting you. You only get convicted for 30, 40, maybe an hour. No, I'm just kidding. But it is. It's a good thing. I say that's why one, another reason God put me in the ministry. He knew I needed under the gun all the time. But as I was thinking on this, I really got convicted in my own heart. My kids have heard it over and over again, and you've heard it, that we need to honor God in our thoughts, words, attitudes, and actions. Thoughts, words, attitudes, and actions. Just drilled that in. And then I started thinking, how generous am I in my thoughts? He mentioned, Mormon comes to the door, 
Fido, get him! That's real generous thought, isn't it? You see somebody that is looks like a pin cushion. And what's our thoughts towards them? How generous are we in our thoughts? Or someone, it hadn't happened this morning, so I can say this, all right? Someone's cell phone goes off in church for crying out loud. Don't they know those things have an off button on them? How many of you have ever been someplace where your cell phone rang at a time you didn't want it to, huh? Exactly. See, simple little things that, that in, our, in our thoughts, how, how ungracious we are, how ungenerous we are. We've, we've thought of during a church service having somebody go out and do a call them all and see how many phones would ring during church. You know. <laughs> But you know what, as I started thinking about this, I thought, man, there are times over and over again that I am not very generous in my thoughts. And what if God was the same way with me? You think how generous God is with us? And, and in our words and, and how we say things and, and do we have generosity and, you know, and simple little things. You call and they say, I'm going to need to put you on hold. Is that all right? Well, I guess it is. You know, just simple little things like that. I hope it's not five minutes like the last time I called here. Or you can say, sure, no problem. Do you know, it's, it's the little things like that. If the most generous being that has ever existed dwells within us as believers, you'd think it ought to work out of us in our thoughts, our words, and our attitudes. That our attitudes would would uh, be encouraging and that our attitudes uh, would be um, patient and that our attitudes would be such that it, it manifests a generous spirit. And then, of course, in our actions that we carry out and, and we see an opportunity to be generous and we see an opportunity to help and we step in and, and help. Can you imagine the difference it would make if all who call themselves Christians, if all of us who profess to be followers of Christ truly became generous? Can you imagine the difference that it would make? Am I truly a follower of Christ? Is is God's generous Spirit in me? 
A changed heart simply means to be in sync with God. And he says that if you learn to be generous and and learn to be giving, that's going to be like the heart of God. He giveth more grace as the burdens grow greater. He makes us to be have all sufficiency in all things that we may abound to every good work. He giveth and giveth and giveth again. What would change? Ask yourself this question. What would change if I became generous? What would change if I became generous? See, the old way, the old man, the desire is to have things to come toward us. The new way is to want the good or God, to flow out of us. The bottom line is that it's about freely giving of everything you have. It's a willingness to give up my position, my rights, my authority for whatever God wants. But We've challenged in the last few weeks. Think of three individuals that you would begin praying for and that you would seek to develop relationships with and and that you would ask God to open doors and open hearts. And how can you be generous toward them? But let me bring it down to just... One thing, if you were to say, God, who is one person that you want me to be generous with in my life? Maybe in your thoughts, words, maybe in your attitudes, or all of those. Now, Now, let me tell you, God may bring somebody that you live with, and that's a good thing. The light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. And if we can't do it at home, we're not really being generous when we're out there. But one person that this week, maybe God's brought to mind somebody that in your thoughts you've just beaten them up pretty royal. Or maybe it's it's another person that... that, um, God just brings to mind, if there's one person that God's bringing to mind, I want you to be generous. I'm not saying you overlook sin, or we're not even going in that. That we learn to be generous. Manifest God's Spirit. That we sow generosity. Are you willing to take those initial steps?
And then to stop and think about and examine our own thought life. Is that a generous thought? My words, was that a generous statement that I made? Did that really need to be said? Was that giving someone the benefit of the doubt? Was that, was that encouraging? Was that building up? Do you understand, if, if we as believers just started being generous, the difference that it could make? What, what we'll hear more tonight, but what the folks already said, in, in working with the people without Christ that are under the label Mormon, the difference is made, you touch their life, and in realm of what we're talking here today, through a generous spirit. It doesn't take God to cut people off. We can do that in the flesh. It takes God to be generous. That's not natural. And we that profess to to be temples of the Holy Spirit, to have God dwelling within us, if He's in there, then this aspect of generosity, not just giving financially, although that's a part of it, but, but just giving with our life, my time, my talent, uh, the touch, and some of our treasure. There are people that God wants to touch through your life and your generosity. Yeah, but nobody in my life has been generous to me. Yes, turn your eyes upon Jesus. That's all you need to look at. Well, my family, it's about time we change that then, isn't it? We are to love as He loved us. That's abundantly, generously, Liberally. So that one person, are you going to this week? Do you have someone in mind? You, if I could, I wouldn't let you leave here today until you had one person in mind. I can't do that. I'm not the bishop. Well, I'm biblically, I am the bishop, but not the bishop as what was his name? You heard it, I didn't, okay? That's fine. I'm not the Pope, okay? I can't do that. But we need to make it personal. It's not enough to just come and hear that and go out and think, oh, that was about a six, maybe a three. We need to develop the Spirit of Christ. And the Spirit of Christ will cause us to be generous. Heavenly Father, You alone can do an eternal work in our hearts. And Lord, I pray that every believer here would be sensitive to Your Spirit and that we would be conscientious not just of one person, 
But Lord, that when we see anyone, beginning in our own family, and to anyone we come in contact with, that we truly would have a spirit of generosity in our thoughts, our words, our attitudes, and our actions. Lord, help us to see what you've given us. Help us to be thankful for what you've given us. And Lord, help us to realize that we're blessed in order to be a blessing. And then, Lord, I pray if there is one that has never received the gift of your generosity, they've never personally called upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, I pray today before they leave here that they would do that. They'd speak to someone here. And Lord, that that truly would be settled today. Then for every believer, Lord, help us to allow your nature to flow through us. That we truly would learn to love as you love. For we pray in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen.